welcome to Energy in 30. We'll use the next 30 minutes to explore how utilities and the industry are reacting to forces that are shaping new offerings for customers in order to meet decarbonization goals. If you are a utility manager, consultant, technology provider, or just curious about energy, we hope to push your thinking about the changes that are happening in the energy industry with me, David Meisegeier, and me, Joan Collins. David, it's been a while since we've shared what we're up to. What's been keeping you busy lately? You know, I've been digging deeper into the Inflation Reduction Act, and you know, we had Justin Rogers and crew take over our studio and, and do a special podcast on that. Um, but one of the things that we're finding, it's fascinating, the shipments of air source heat pumps this year have been so impacted by supply chain issues that the forecast is the volume of shipments this year is going to be half or less than what was shipped last year. And, and that's expected to continue this impact for at least another one to two years, which means even if customers want to purchase qualifying equipment, it might not even be available. So it, it's really kind of fascinating to see these these impacts here. So yeah, what about you? Well, that's that's jaw dropping. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, when you see the data, it really is. But and these are just the early beginnings of kind of uncovering, you know, the that. And I I'm just I'm so curious to know what comes out, you know, more as uh, we start to to look at that. But um, as for me, um, yeah. speaking of supply chain, I mean, I'm I've been lately I've been digging into the use of utility brand and marketplaces. And, you know, I always love digging into the human behavioral side of things. Mm -hmm. So specifically, I've been kind of wading through some of the pretty unbelievable stats about in digital engagement with utilities. Did you know that nearly 54% of customers prefer to go to a utility branded digital channel to purchase their DSM products and services? Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. And what's really something about that is, is that it was only about 29% in 2019. Wow. So, yeah, so that, I mean, that's showing a trend. I think we all have to pay attention to if we want to meet our customers. Do you think that's COVID driven? I think it is, but it was already kind of on the rise. Um, I think what it's saying, I mean, the stat too is like 71% of customers that use those channels to research DSM related products and services. So I think the trend was already there. I think, you know, a lot of us, we just have all kinds of different buying habits, right? And preferences, but there's just no doubt that that digital channel is, is something that is growing. In fact, one of the statistics I saw was that there's actually been an inverse um, trend where it used to be that Gen Zers were more having more digital interactions and now it's surpassed by boomers. Um, and you know, we know where we, we know where the buying is happening. So again, just, I think more to come on this, but I've really enjoyed digging into that a little bit. It's fun to, to see how and why, you know, people are, um, getting the energy products that they need to meet some of these decarbonization goals. And so not, not exactly intuitive as, as to how things had been either. So interesting. Yeah, for sure. So, but for now, I couldn't be more thrilled to introduce and welcome our guest, Nathan Mori of Salt River Project or SRP. 
um, which is based in Tempe, Arizona. Nathan is the manager of product development at SRP, where he's responsible just for a few things, like managing a portfolio of energy efficiency, DR, electric vehicle, and building electrification programs designed to help SRPs 1 million plus customers reduce economy-wide carbon emissions and achieve sustainability goals. When I first started working with SRP, it was about half of that um, amount of customers, which is pretty amazing growth over the years. He's also a member of SRP's recently launched planning leadership team, where he's responsible for integrating customer-facing programs and initiatives with the utilities system-wide planning efforts. I can't wait to dig into that a little bit. That sounds almost daunting. <laughs> Um, and Nathan lives here in Phoenix with his wife, Carrie, and his son, Rylan, um, and being a fellow Arizonan and having known Nathan and done a few whiteboard maquette sessions over the past decade with him. For anyone that's worked with Nathan, you know that his 12-year architecture background in building science and sustainability comes in through uh, when you work with him. He usually gets you up at a whiteboard. <laughs> um, Nathan, I'm really looking forward to this discussion. Welcome. Thanks, Joan. It's nice to be here. Happy to talk to both you and David. Awesome. Well, we are excited to have you. And we usually kick things off, Nathan, by asking what you're currently working on or anything that you've recently been involved with that stands out. And that planning leadership team sure sounds interesting. Want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I can I can certainly touch base with that because it's it happens to be what I'm working on um, today, in fact. Um, but uh, it might help if I take you back to the beginning or at least a couple of years ago. And I imagine most utilities are, are like SRP. SRP has been around for coming up on 120 years. 1903 wow. it was founded. But um, like any company, over time, you start to develop this uh, these silos, if you will, different different parts of the company have different tasks so they go off and do their business and, and uh, often you know becomes uh, you know fewer and fewer connections between the the different areas and, and, and departments and that was certainly happening at SRP with some of the planning areas so our CEO I'm, I'm assuming the assumption or the the decision was made in late 2019 or so but in early 2020 I came back from the holiday break and was told that I was going to be uh, sequestered in a conference room with my planning counterparts from uh, load forecasting and distribution planning, transmission planning, resource planning, sequestered in a conference room for uh, two to three months to, to help wow. develop what is an integrated planning uh, process. And, and the the idea there is that we are not planning in our individual silos, <clears throat> which you know has historically worked with with the one-way power flow. You know the utility generates and transmits and distributes it to our customers who consume it. But with uh, you know energy going uh, in multiple directions, with distributed energy resources and EVs and all kinds of things, we we had to do a better job of planning together to accommodate uh, all of the forces at work, if you will. Nathan, did you say two to three months? 
It was, yeah, it was literally, literally two to three months. They told me to put my out of office on for uh, two months time. And wow. my team, my team is, you know, we, we do uh, strategy planning and operations all within the same team. So I had to leave my team to their own devices for, for two months straight. I, I literally showed up at the office straight to the conference room, eight in the morning, and, and we left at five or later every night. But, um, but yeah, I didn't, I had very little uh, communication with my team or anybody else for that matter for a good two months straight. Cause it was just nothing but nonstop information sharing and whiteboarding and <clears throat> brainstorming and, and uh, process, you know, mapping if you will. But uh, yeah, that, it, it that was is fascinating. Little, yeah. Uh, it was quite the surprise, uh, but at the end of the day, I think it worked out very well uh, for myself. I learned a tremendous amount about the different planning areas and and the challenges that they face, the timing requirements they have, et cetera. But the, the end, end goal was to ensure that we were um, planning on a coordinated timeline that allowed us to utilize the same assumptions, uh, align on planning criteria, align on uh, long and short-term goals, and then uh, work together to solve one another's challenges. That's the, the idea there is that we're continually put a process in place that will allow us to optimize our planning efforts over time. So I, I not sure about you guys, but I'm not familiar with any other utility having done similar efforts. What what was the genesis like of, of who was behind that? Like it was pretty insightful to do that, but how did that come about? Yeah, our you know, to be honest with you, I don't know the exact genesis, but my theory is um a year or a year and a half prior, SRP uh, implemented a an entire series of sustainability goals. It's 20 goals in total. Four of them land on my plate, um, but it, it was a, 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 a very large set of sustainability goals that SRP was going to hold itself accountable to and uh, may or may not know SRP is a public utility, so we're not regulated by the local utility commission. So it's up to us and our board to, to um, establish and uh, execute on some of these longer term sustainability goals. So in 2019, we published our 2035 sustainability goals. <clears throat> and within it, there's a, there's a whole section on uh, customer and grid enablement and that's where my team comes into play. We, uh, my particular team owns four of the five goals. The other goal is a, a joint ownership between customer programs and distribution planning. But the, um, I think the, the idea there is that we just had to prepare our grid to accommodate uh, the customer activity, distributed energy resources, um, the shift away from carbon intensive generation sources to uh, to carbon free resources. It's just 
so many shifting dynamics that uh, asking each planning area to solve them on their own is is uh, would be next to impossible. Yeah. So my my um, assumption is that our CEO Mike Hummel he he wants everything we do at SRP to be strategy led. So I'm assuming it was uh, you know a combination of uh, his decision along with our associate general managers, the executives uh, that report to him across the various areas. I, I'm assuming they all came together and decided this was the right way to go and and uh, looked down the organizational structures and found the, the right people to put in the room. That's awesome. So what was something that stood out to you as like uh, a lesson learned from the whole thing? And then a follow-up to that would be, what things have you learned or been able to leverage in how you you and your team run your programs and your business today? Like, are you do have you adopted new approaches or outlooks because of that experience? Yeah. Um, so personally, I think the thing that opened my eyes the most was just the transmission planning. That was one part of the organization I wasn't all that familiar with. We worked uh, pretty heavily with the resource planning folks in, in years past and had been working with the distribution planning team more recently. But uh, just the, the coordination efforts that have to take place uh, between our transmission planners and the others in our region to make sure that we can get all of the resources into our customers and that, that that was the part that sort of opened my eyes a bit. And one of the more challenging things to fit into the end product of what we were put in the room to do, and that was to develop a an end-to-end process. And that process, like I said, we're, the intent was that we aligned on uh, assumptions and criteria and forecast outputs, et cetera. So we... We designed the process in such a way that it could be um, readily adapted to our annual planning processes that ultimately lead up to our uh, financial plan reviews and, and approvals. Um, that same process could be adapted to the special studies that we carry out throughout the year that help inform our assumptions and our forward-looking strategy. The same process could be adapted to uh, what we foresaw as a as our public integrated system planning process or ISP that would replace um, the integrated resource plans or IRPs that we had done historically. Mm-hmm. So that that process was uh, developed and adapted to everything we do from a planning perspective within SRP and to sort of hold true to that, we recognized early on that we needed um, a, a, a great deal of oversight to, to make sure that the various uh, organizations, planning organizations, stayed in alignment with the process and uh, received the assistance they needed to coordinate uh, throughout that process. So we spooled up at an integrated system planning and support team that sort of oversees the and, and coordinates a lot of that activity, the annual planning processes, the special studies, the public 
ISPs, and then uh, established some governance structure around that. So you mentioned at the beginning that I'm a member of SRP's planning leadership team, and that is one level of governance uh, that oversees a lot of the the efforts that go on throughout the year to ensure everything's in alignment and coordinated. There's another uh, group above that called the Planning Coordination Council that it was established for that very purpose too, to just provide that next level of uh, review and approval for some of the larger projects that had to take place. I love wow. hearing that, um, you know, it's tied to the annual planning. It sounds like it, the fact that it's integrated, right, and not just something that's happening kind of over here, that's really, really good to hear, and that it's being governed um, by a couple of groups. It's just really interesting, and what a commitment to meeting those goals. Yeah, and, you know, and to be honest, we're we're still early in this. This is our, this will be our third year through the annual planning process. We're in the middle of our first public ISP right now. So it's a it's an iterative process. Like I said, it's you know we, we put the framework in place to allow us to optimize our planning efforts over time. So uh, you know we have to take it one step at a time. So we're we're going through and optimizing what we can today, figuring out where there are other synergies or crossover points that we can optimize further in the future, and. Um, We'll go from there, but certainly a learning process for myself and most others at SRP. That's awesome. If I uh, can shift gears a little bit on you, I know that you're involved with the design and development of a lot of different programs at SRP, so you must see a lot of interesting new technologies and, and companies pitching their solutions to you. What are what are some of the more exciting things that you've seen or come across lately? Yeah, you know, that's a good it's a good question. You know, the the name of my department is product development. Um, and so you would think that we'd have a lot of new things come across our desk. And and to some degree we do. I think the the more interesting stuff for us are how do how do we take the proven technologies and find unique ways of getting them in customers' hands in mass so that we can impact, uh, make a larger impact. Um, but a, a couple of things uh, that our, our um, innovation team is looking at right now, there's sort of an AI-driven uh, building management system for commercial properties. And that's a, basically a software overlay on their uh, control system to to better optimize and and track uh, occupancy and adjust set points and, and those types of things that that has some interesting promise. Um, we're looking at new ways to manage uh, demand for our customers, uh, particularly uh, the customers that have that are on. Um, a couple of our price plans that have demand charges involved. This is on the residential side, yep. but uh, identifying and testing new systems that can help customers establish sort of max demand limits and 
and priority uh, scheduling and, and load shifting to help uh, make sure that they don't exceed a, a particular demand threshold in their home to help manage the, their utility bills. And obviously that's good for SRP and its system too. Um, on the on the electric vehicle side, I think that's where things are, are really exciting for us is just so much happening in that space. Uh, you mentioned the, the IRA earlier, and we also have the infrastructure bill that's going to impact the EV space. Yeah. And that'll be uh, really interesting to see how customers not only adopt the EVs, but adopt charging patterns and leverage price plans and other things to manage their load in a cost-effective manner for themselves, but but also in a manner that does not um, negatively impact the utility system. So we are piloting a couple things today that uh, look at managed charging, both through the EVSE or the, the, um, the, the charger on the wall, if you will, and through telematics. Uh, just to see what's possible there from a from a demand management perspective, but also from a uh, a grid asset management perspective. You know, so it, it may be less about managing load over our system peak and more about um, managing a local transformer to make sure it doesn't extend beyond uh, beyond its limits. Uh, perfect sense. Yeah. What about I was going to ask quickly, what about smart home technology? You mentioned AI for the, the CNI space, but any, yeah. anything on the residential? We do have we do have uh, a couple of pilots in that space. In, in our mass market programs, we're primarily focused on thermostats right now because that, that gets both the customer and SRP the biggest bang for the buck, if you will. Yep. Um, but but yeah, so that that smart home, that the demand management system uh, that I was talking about, there's sort of a, a brute force approach to demand management. Um, and then there's sort of a smart home uh, application to it where you are leveraging other assets within the home to, to help manage that as well beyond just your, um, you know, high load appliances yep. on the home. So we're looking at a lot of that stuff. SRP is lucky we have a, a research lab and test facility where we get to, uh, uh, it's not my team, unfortunately, but uh, the innovation team gets to look at a lot of the, the new products that come out onto the market and play around with control algorithms and, and uh, you know, run small pilots here and there to, to test the, the uh, overall impact to the customer and to SRP. That's awesome. I love Jonah. it when those labs are set up. I was going to say, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, no. I was just curious before we're going to move on to, I can't believe it's already, we're already there um, to ask you the last question that we like to ask all our guests. But um, I was just curious the balance between like you, you to go kind of unpacking that a bit, the, the proven on mass, right? Like that's really what's interesting right now. What is the balance, though, of like when you're approached, you know, by a lot of different software and services companies, what's the balance of that? Like how many, and maybe this is a difficult question to answer, but I'm just curious, you know, between the approaches on 
kind of the more proven technologies versus the new bright shiny you know ones to pilot yeah and that's a that's a good question so um i think any utility you have to you have to manage risk in some ways and that risk could be customer set could be capacity could be um you know technology uh provenness if you will so a lot of times uh, within our existing programs we will take sort of the proven measures and have the core offering built around that but then within uh, within that core program we're leveraging new measures testing out what they can and cannot do for us and our customers and uh, a, a, like a prime example and this has been in place for a couple of years now but variable capacity residential hvac systems uh, started at the market a few years back uh, we had a an inkling that they would help us over our peak hours and, and save customers a tremendous amount of energy and cost as well. So we put those into the portfolio without having been tested, so to speak. Obviously, they're an uh, air conditioning unit in Arizona, so uh, yeah. they're going to uh, consume and save energy. So um, that has worked out really well for us. We've done some other things. You mentioned uh, a marketplace in your intro, Joan. and yeah. uh, we launched our marketplace back in 2018 or so, and and I think you know you you talked about consumer preferences shifting to to those marketplaces, and we did it exactly for your um, you know the feedback that you shared there that mm. that customers look to us to help because most of the things we put in market um, are designed to help them save energy and money, and I think they they recognize that they understand that so they do like coming to our marketplace and purchasing thermostats and leds and ev chargers and all that good stuff and and you know i'm i'm uh i would love to say it's just because of the srp brand at the top of the page but at the end of the day when we can apply rebates to those products on top of manufacturer discounts and everything else it, it becomes a very cost-effective shopping experience for them. So yeah. I think that's probably the, what describes a lot of the shift, personally. That's great. Thank you. Uh, okay, so I, again, like I feel like we could go an hour <laughs> or more. Um, but just, just to close, we always like to ask our, our guests, there's one thing that you could change in the industry, no limits, what would it be? You know, I think from my perspective, uh, you mentioned early on that I, I came to the utility industry from the architecture world. And in that world, you are always building a prototype. So you have to look at challenges from a different perspective each time. And um, I, I do feel that the utility industry could use um, just some some greater focus on creative problem solving through design thinking techniques, some shared experience, right? Uh, uh, that uh, that two month period that I spent with the other planning organizations opened my eyes to their challenges and and vice versa. 
So I think it's just, it's important to encourage staff to cross-pollinate, so encourage staff to um, explore uh, creative problem-solving exercises. And there's always going to be risk to manage within the utility industry, but but uh, that risk is on a spectrum depending on what you're doing. And, um, I, you know, approaching it with a, a fresh perspective and with some creative solutions, I think can go a long way to help ensure that utilities uh, can adapt to the changing needs of our customers in the future. That actually sounds doable. I mean, you're doing <laughs> it, <laughs> so it's yeah, awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, but 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 great great advice for for our listeners. So, Nathan, I really hate to to wrap this up, but we've hit our time already and so it's been an amazing conversation um, for listeners if you've been enjoying this podcast and want to learn more about srp and the programs that they're doing you can visit srpnet.com and again nathan thank you so much for for joining joan and i learning about what you're doing, your team and SRP, tackling some of the big policy changes that the utility industry is facing. It's, it's just been fascinating. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's, it's been a great pleasure. Well, if you've enjoyed this conversation as much as we have, we'd sure appreciate you liking, sharing, and even subscribing to our podcast. But I'm really looking forward also to our next episode as well. As you know, uh, David, when I was in Ireland this summer, after hearing about their incredibly aggressive aims to decarbonize, uh, I think they have an 80% goal by 2030. It, it made me want to bring in some global perspectives. So thanks to you, we've reached out to some global colleagues and hope to be bringing in some international perspectives soon, even as early as maybe our next episode here. So if you're listening, make sure to look to October and tune into our next Energy in 30.